Welcome in to episode two of Night Shift. Uh, big thanks to everybody who listened into our first episode this past Monday. If you want to go check it up, it is online. But Thursday, October the 6th, as we head into the long weekend, Cal Gamar joined with Mike Stubbs here. Uh, like I said, you can listen to the first episode of Night Shift on 980 CFPL News. It is on socials at Stubbs980 and at Cal Gamard as well. Mike, we've got a few things to to go over the show today, including the tee-up for this weekend's games between the London Knights and the Sioux Greyhounds, along with the Erie Otters. Logan Mayu has a brand-new contract with the Montreal Canadiens. The Knights are also looking to get back another defenseman on the back end who figures to play a key role down the stretch. And you sat down and chatted with Sean Bedard, who is the play-by-play host for the Erie Otters on the London sucks t-shirts ahead of Saturday's games. And I I'm looking forward to this chat. I want to know the story behind this because these t-shirts were made well in advance of the regular season circling this coming Saturday's date on the calendar. They were, and they have been, according to Sean selling very well. You'll hear him talking about that. (laughs) This is the highest form of flattery that exists in junior hockey right now. That's what this is. That's what London Knights fans should think of because Sweet Caroline plays at every Erie Otters game, and instead of the dun-dun-dun part that is sung so loudly in London, they sing out London Sucks, and they do it whether they're playing London or any of the other 18 teams in the Ontario Hockey League. Doesn't matter what team it is, they will always, and they don't just sing it out in Erie, they scream it out, and it's become a tradition. So that's where these shirts come in. They are bright gold, and they will be worn proudly by Erie fans. And if you're looking for something just to rekindle a rivalry that didn't get to play as many games as it usually does last season because of border restrictions, this is a really good start. It's like a mutual agreement between Erie and everyone else. Just when anytime anyone else goes to Erie's barn, it's, hey, we're not going to say greyhound suck or whatever else it's only going to be london sucks which i just you're right it's the highest form of flattery for sure and it's one of those listen the knights are living rent free and and we'll talk about that game in just a little bit but i do want to start with friday's contest against the sault Ste. marie greyhounds london is at home again before they play their first road game on saturday so just to put it in perspective, last year, Knights go 3-1 and one against the Sioux. I know every year is different, but so far, the Sioux have already played three games, and London's only really had one game to figure things out. So the Sioux are 1-2 and two right now. They have given up 13 goals against in the process, which might be a good boost for London Knights scoring, though the Knights on the back end provided a lot of that. What are you seeing from the London Knights heading into this game? What are you expecting players to watch, stuff like that? The schedule usually works in the Knights' favor in the first week of the season. I don't know why it is, but when some teams are traveling around and playing all kinds of games, when the Knights play Erie on Saturday, the Erie Otters will be playing their fifth game. The Knights are going into their second game tomorrow night. So you play a game, you get an opportunity to practice for an entire week. It's like being a football team, but it works out really well. And for whatever reason, the night schedule often starts like this with one game on a Friday night and then no game until the next Friday night. So I think that has worked into the Knights' favor in a big way because you get an opportunity to, again, look at what went right, look at what went wrong, and then you get a week to prepare for your next, in this case, two games. Sault Ste. Marie doesn't want to use the word rebuilding, but they have used the word retooling. 
They only have four 19-year-olds, so very similar to the Knights in the way that the team is structured. And we see a lot of teams like this where there aren't an awful lot of 19-year-olds in the Ontario Hockey League on teams. And you're going to start seeing the teams that do have a lot of 19-year-olds really rising up. But Sault Ste. Marie, very similar position to the London Knights. They had a tight game on Wednesday against the Flint Firebirds in which, you know, they were back and forth a little bit. Flint scored late and then Flint added an empty netter. So Sault Ste. Marie was very much in that game against a team in Flint that is expected to be very, very good all year long. They sit at one and one right now. Don't worry about that. They have Brennan Othman back and who knows how many goals he will wind up scoring this year. He had 50 last year and had a really good showing at the New York Rangers camp. Sault Ste. Marie has some young players and they have some good London content. They've got Bryce McConnell Barker who scored his first goal of the season on Wednesday. They've got Jordan Dentino and Bryce McConnell Barker's younger brother hasn't played yet, but he will be in their plans for the future. He's on that club. And then Matthew Virgilio scored his first goal. He's a defenseman who Sault Ste. Marie got in the fourth round. They really like him as a 16 year old and they can be dangerous, but they do have some youngsters who are learning and the Knights will definitely be looking to take advantage of that and get that scoring groove. Goals didn't come easily against Owen Sound, but they shouldn't. Owen Sound's not going to give up a lot of goals. Owen Sound's given up two or sorry, six in two games. So this is something that the Knights will go looking to take advantage of. Like you say, can they put pucks into the net? Can they get that offensive confidence high going into the gold arena with the t-shirts everywhere in area on Saturday? Yeah. And that's, that's the game we'll move on to here. And you know, what's funny for the amounts. I feel like there's a reason why Erie is not a big fan of the London Knights. It's because over the last five years, the London Knights have just dominated Erie. Over the last five years, Mike, London has gone a ridiculous 19-1-2 over a 22-game stretch. Last year, the Knights went 4-0 for a clean sweep, and I can imagine why Erie does not like London. It has been a very one-sided, quote, rivalry for the longest time. And though, you know, Erie's based in the States, they do not like the Knights, as you said, and we'll get to that story a little bit later on, but they've got a really good defenseman in Christian Cairo, who already has three points through three games. Uh, Bet Brissetti has up to four points so far in three. And then another veteran goaltender that London's going to have to play. It was Nick Chenard last Friday. Now you get Nolan Lalonde again in net. Another veteran that the Knights will have to go play against. But heading into these these games as well, London's going to get a piece back that could be a very integral player in Isaiah George. They do. He suffered an injury when he was with the New York Islanders at their training camp. And when you get injured in the NHL, it actually works out in the player's favor. You stay there for a little while. So you're paid in the NHL and you get to, well, spend time rehabbing. And then eventually when you are healthy enough, you will either be put onto their roster or in Isaiah George's case, he was just drafted this past summer. He's coming back to London and he will be so key for the Knights. You look last year, he came in as a 17-year-old who hadn't played in the OHL at 16, and it wasn't long before he was in the top two of the Knights' defenseman pairings. And 
he was able to hold that spot down. He really focused in on his own end and really learning the game because in under 16, he was able to pick up the puck and essentially do what he wanted to with it. He's got a good offensive IQ, but he really, really learned what it took to play defense in the OHL. He is so athletic. He can move the puck out of trouble in his own zone. And so he will be a real catalyst. And we talked about this on episode one, the Knights getting offense from their defense. And he's somebody who will start some of those offensive rushes because of his ability to get pucks out of his own zone. Yeah, and it's funny. Whenever I remember we were on the broadcast or anytime we're doing the post-game show after the buzzer on 980 CFPL, we talk about how you know you see a lot of players improve over the course of the season. You almost watched Isaiah George improve per shift. Like you'd see him go and make a mistake on a shift, and then two shifts later, he's corrected that very mistake, and it's like it's gone from his game. It's remarkable to see how quickly he understands where he went wrong and where he can build and get better. And he makes improvements within the game. And then he just keeps improving off of it, which is, it, it's so rare to find that in any player or do it in any circumstance. And he's one of the better players that does it. And now he's got a year under his belt. He's a year older. He's going to be able to skate his way out of a lot of problems, but he's also learned how to get out of problems in other ways because he couldn't do that last year as a 17-year-old. So this is only going to benefit him moving forward. He's going to be a monster boost when he comes back to London. Huge and so well-rounded. He was the Knights yeah. Rookie of the Year last year, and he also was the co-scholastic player of the year. So he's just one of those people that is so smart that whatever he has to do, he just gets this great understanding of it almost instantly where most of us have to look at it and go, all right, show me that three more times. He gets it instantly, and you're right. He makes those little adjustments, and because of that, at 18 years old, he is going to be so key on the night's back end. So it'll be great to see him back in the lineup. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. And another player it's going to be nice to see back in the night's lineup. We speak about defensemen on the back end really uh, propelling this team. Uh, Logan Mayu, there's news about him around the uh, National Hockey League level. He just signed his entry-level deal with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, a lot of people giving him props and congratulations behind that. Of course, last year was limited to just 12 games. Still had nine points, and he's going to be a big, big difference maker to this team. But, you know, big congratulations going on out to him. It's got to be a big weight off of his shoulders, too, with, you know, everything he's gone through, endured. Um, and it's it'll be nice for him to just start playing hockey again and remind everybody how good of a player he is. Because I think that's a lot of things people kind of forget about. Just he's that good of a player. He really is. No, he is that good of a player. I really believe that had he been able to start the year in the OHL right off the bat, he would have challenged not just for the defenseman lead in scoring, and he still could depending on what the Montreal Canadiens decide to do with him and when he does come back to London. But I think he could have challenged and maybe could still for the overall scoring lead. He has that sort of ability. And you look at Canadians general manager, Kent Hughes, and the things that he said, he said, this is a decision we've thought through carefully. He says, having Logan around members of our team and hockey operations staff for a good part of the summer allowed us to gain a greater appreciation of Logan Mayu, the person. He says he has an opportunity to affect positive change, and we're going to work to support him in any effort towards that goal. So this is this is big in the sense that you have a, a really good hockey player here 
who wants to make a difference, uh, who has certainly shown what he can do on the ice at other levels, playing for the London Nationals, hasn't really been able to get the chance to do it at the OHL level. And, and I really think that's part of what he wants to do this year. He wants to show the kind of player and continue to show the kind of person he is. Well, and, and, you know, he has been around a lot, too, even when he was injured with, you know, being a big supporter on the sidelines and showing, you know, how much he has his teammates backs, how much he's trying to represent not only himself, but the teams that he is representing in, in a good manner. So, you know, this is this is a big deal for him. There was a lot of congratulations and, you know, well-deserved after everything. And it'll be nice to see him get back on the ice and playing hockey. And, and I think he's going to be a huge part of this team moving forward. Now, we might not see him for this weekend's games. However, the Knights will be in Erie to take on the Erie Otters. And we've talked about it on the first episode. We talked about it here today. But now we're going to get the actual story behind it. And and Mike, I'll let you tee this one up. But you chatted with uh, Sean Bernard, who is the voice of the Erie Otters. He's been with the team since the start of last season. And he's got a little bit more insight as to the the, the coming of the Knights suck jerseys that Erie has posted on social media and is essentially planned and circled around this date. Definitely. And it goes to a rivalry between these two teams that has seen a lot of playoff series. I mean, there have been some pivotal playoff series. You can go back to Erie's very first championship in 2002. The Knights were playing at the London Ice House, finishing out the rain at the London Ice House, Budweiser Gardens and the John Labatt Center, about to celebrate 20 years in existence. So we're going back in time a little bit. But you had a London Knights team with Chris Hool in net. And Chris had come out of White Court, Alberta. The Knights were looking for a goalie. And Mark Hunter somehow found Chris Hool. And Chris has actually made this area home following his junior career and he is somebody who came in he played a bit for the tri-city americans but you go back and and look at some of the saves that he made and i don't even think there are video or there's video for a lot of them there are times when he wasn't even facing the play and the puck was hitting him he just had this innate ability to stop pucks and he gave the Erie Otters this huge juggernaut with Brad Boys and Corey Pecker and Brandon Cullen and Carlo Koliakovo. They had oh, just yeah. an obscene level of talent. And Chris Hool just kept so stopping pucks. And you had a Knights team that was just starting to grow. I mean, Corey Perry was on the team. Dylan Hunter was on the team. Rick Stedman, who's on the coaching staff, was on the team. But you still had a very young London Knights team. And here they were against this juggernaut after upsetting the Plymouth Whalers in round one. And Plymouth was loaded, too. They'd finished first in the Western Conference that year. And this eighth-place team, the London Knights, coached by Dale Hunter, upset them in the first round and the Knights pushed Erie to overtime of game six. And everybody, it's one of those things had the Knights found a way to win that game six and go back to Erie. What would have happened? Could the Knights have upset the number two seed in the Western conference and the eventual OHL champions. And as it turned out, Carlo Koliakovo deflected a puck over a shoulder and into the net. And that wound up being the game winner in overtime in game six. And that was the last game Rick Nash would ever play in a London Knights uniform. And I can remember being down in the room after that game. And a lot of guys were 
changed and, and starting to leave. And you look over and Rick Nash was still wearing his entire uniform. Hadn't taken off anything. He'd removed his helmet and his gloves. That was it because he knew in his heart that was the last time he would ever play for the London Knights. And it ended up that was the case. He went to the NHL and the Columbus Blue Jackets that next year. And that kind of started things for these two teams after, you know, you could even go back to 1998 in a seven game series where Rico Fata got the winner. So they always found ways into these big playoff series. There were a couple of sweeps that would come up a sweep at the hands of Connor McDavid, where he was an Erie Otter and Erie swept London four straight, but Dale Hunter made use of that because he put Victor Mete head to head with Connor McDavid. And Victor Mete learned so much about how elite players played that the next year, the Knights would come back and sweep Erie and they would go on and they would win the Memorial Cup. And Victor Mete was able to handle all kinds of elite players along the way simply because of those lessons that Dale had enabled him to learn the year before. So there are so many moments. There was a seven-game series the following season in 2017 when, again, Erie would go on and win the championship. So it seems when these two teams meet in the playoffs, the team that wins it has a pretty good shot at going a long way. So it's helped to create this lovable rivalry between the two clubs over the years because it really is you win some, we win some. And it's nice and even that way. And the rivalry, maybe it's fallen off, like you say, the last few years because of the record that you mentioned earlier, 19-1-2 over the last five years, Knights over the Otters. But that certainly has kindled things and rekindled things in Erie. It kind of makes them say, yeah, we, we want those London Knights. Bring us those London Knights. And we started off talking with Sean Bednard about how the rivalry sits right now in Erie, Pennsylvania. It's been a fantastic rivalry to be able to see from the inside out in my first season and and just the the hype and the energy that's going into season two and especially to be able to have London versus Erie as the home opener for the Otters this season is it's special. It really is. And, you know, I heard so much about this rivalry coming into the Erie Otters and before I was, you know, super acclimated with the Ontario Hockey League, but seeing it from the actual perspective of someone in the league It's special. It really is. And I was telling someone earlier today that, you know, this rivalry goes so far back that, you know, it's ingrained that any event that happens here in Erie where Sweet Caroline plays, you're going to hear a rendition of it that has two words added in that were not originally in the song lyrics. And I think that's just so special because I think that'll always be how I'll remember the song years and years after I'm gone from Erie. So this has been a special rivalry and it's been so fantastic to see from, from the inner workings. It is the OHL version of Billy Idol's Moni Moni. And you know what? There is no higher compliment And it sounds strange because those two words are London sucks, but there is no higher compliment than having a team's fan base say that about you no matter what. Because we told the story earlier this week, and I just want to make sure that I have this right because I've heard it many times, Sean, when the Sudbury Wolves 
are playing in Erie or when the Saginaw Spirit are playing in Erie, uh, when the Niagara Ice Dogs are playing in Erie. And that song comes on. Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline. What are the fans saying? Are they saying those two words? They are saying they're not saying it. They are screaming those two words at the top of their lungs. It can be any of the other 18 teams in the Ontario Hockey League that aren't named London. It will be the same lyrics every single time that song comes on. So good. So good. So good. Uh, Sean, let's talk about the home opener because that phrase London sucks is going to be displayed very prominently it's going to be very noticeable a t-shirt has been created <laughs> yeah yeah no I was as surprised as anybody when I was uh, scrolling on Facebook when we were on our road trip for our eastern swing to start the season and I saw the yellow London sucks shirt and I was like this is fantastic. This is so ambitious. This is so bold. This is exactly what our fans are going to be drawn to. And the reaction from it has been simply tremendous. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that we named it the Sweet Caroline home opener is because we all know what the, the status of this rivalry is. We know how impactful it is. I mean, it goes down to even our team dog, Caroline, here, named for a very specific reason. So, I think you have to play into the jovialness of it and the pageantry and the history. And, you know, I love I love it so much because even on social media, you'll see London going at it with eerie, eerie firing back with an uppercut. It goes beyond the ice. It goes beyond the fans. It goes beyond the organizations, you know, be it a perceived hatred or a real one. It's evident that it exists. We are talking with the radio voice of the Erie Otters, Sean Bednard. On Saturday night, there will be a sea of gold. Those T-shirts are going to be worn proudly. Sean, will Sweet Caroline be played more than once during the game? What do you think? I would be shocked if it was played just once per period, to be quite <laughs> frank with you. You know, it's something that the fans have so much fun with. The players embrace it. I think it's almost a rite of passage for rookies when they first get to hear it because you hear the stories about just the Erie environment as itself on a game night here at the Erie Insurance Arena, let alone when it comes down to a London game night. And the first time that the, the young kids, the 16, 17-year-olds get to hear the Otters rendition of Sweet Caroline. That's when they know where they play and who the rival is. So I would be shocked if it was just once per period coming up on Saturday night. You'd be surprised if they played Sweet Caroline only once per period on Saturday night. And I can't believe that they've named their mascot Caroline. See, this is how big this song is there. Oh, it just, it goes so far. And it's, it's the level of, I honestly, the level of pettiness and the rivalry and the back and forth between the two teams, maybe a little bit more on Erie's side, but this is, this is, this is one of the best things about sports. Like it's the rivalries. It's getting inside another team's head, heading into a contest. It's knowing the records, knowing the playoff history and going, you know what? Not only are we going to do sweet Caroline, we're playing at once a period. We're naming our mascot Caroline. We are all in on this. <laughs> and they are. And the fans there, you have to understand, they are incredibly passionate. And there are a few times when that team is rolling that those fans are, you know, the place could be three quarters full or two thirds full, and it feels like it is sold out. But when it is sold out 
as it probably will be on Saturday night, it is electric. And it's one of those buildings that shakes because the fans are so into the game. And no one cheers louder when an official falls on the ice than anybody in Erie. (laughs) They are there to have a good time and soak in every moment. Can't wait. That is awesome stuff. Well, you can uh, follow along with the podcast. We will be back on Monday's edition to go over the two games. We'll see how London comes out. We'll preview some upcoming matchups and have more special guests right here on the show. Again, you can follow us on social media at Stubbs980 and at Cal Gamara. The podcast will be uploaded with uh, 980 CFPL. Night Shift, that is it for episode two. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.